Last week, or last time I spoke, I talked about uh, Psalm 23. And I thought I might be able to get it done in two sessions, but to find out uh, as I go more and more and more into study, it, I'm finding that it's going to take a little bit longer. So we may break this up into two, into about four or five different uh, sermons. But uh, I made it through the first two verses last time, and I realized I needed to slow down and spend a little bit more time on each one. It's an amazing psalm. Uh, so today I want to talk about the third verse and the very first phrase, which says, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. But first, let's talk about a little bit of the background of Psalm 23. I didn't get into last time. This is a very powerful psalm. It's widely memorized by Christianity today, and, and they, can, they can spit it back from, from memory. But... Uh, there's a lot more to it than that. And it has a much meaning for us individually, personally. Uh, it can do wonderful things for us when we focus on it. And it can help us through our difficulties in life. Uh, it's very cathargic, very healing, very encouraging, uh, very inspirational, <clears throat> positive, and hopeful. It represents a way of thinking that can, if we read it and meditate on it regularly, can enhance our personal and individual relationship with Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, the chief shepherd, the great shepherd. Okay? So if we think about it and meditate on it and do that daily, make it part of our daily thinking, it enhances our personal in, uh, involvement, our relationship with Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. He's our creator. He's our designer. He's our caregiver. He's our loving shepherd. All the things that a shepherd is, he's much more than that. But those are the things that he focuses, we, we focus on, we think about daily. It has, it's powerful, it has strength for us. Uh, again, it's not in just memorizing, but it's in the words. Uh, and rather thinking the thoughts that are in those 118 words, thinking about them, the thoughts. You know, it says that uh, a man is what he thinks about all day long, and a man's life is what his thoughts make it. <clears throat> change your thoughts, and you change your mind. You change your life. You change your direction. So thoughts are powerful. What does God tell us about thoughts? our thoughts. In, in Philippians 2, 5, he, he wants us to have the good shepherd's mind. He says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Jesus Christ. So we're to have that. We're to take that on. And to do that, we have to understand what is that? What does he think? Who is he? What is his character? How does he operate? How does he work with us? What is that relationship? Uh, it says in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, it says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, but my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And then it goes on in that whole section. There are eight, seven, eight, and nine. <clears throat> my ways are higher than your ways. So we are going to attain to those thoughts. We want to learn to be able to think that way, not with our own thoughts, but with God's thoughts, the good shepherd. And finally, and we all know Philippians 4, 7, and 8 right in there, and it talks about... <clears throat> It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honorable, just, lovely, 
And he says, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. And Psalm 23 is full of these things. So we want to focus on that. We want to make that a part of our daily routine in thinking with the thoughts of Christ and with, with especially with this very important uh, psalm that Christ inspired. <clears throat> so certainly Psalm 23 is all these things, all those and much, much more. Even though we don't see shepherding today, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, haven't been around sheep and haven't been around shepherding. And I live in the country, but we don't have a whole lot of sheep. There is, there are, there is a flock down the road from us, but I, I don't see them out in the field a whole lot. So I don't have personal understanding, hands-on understanding of sheep. But I've done a lot of study on it and getting ready for this, and I've read, and, and it's intriguing. It's very amazing what the connection between sheep, the shepherd, and, and our relationship with God. It's just amazing. So it's appropriate, too, that David, who wrote this, was inspired by Christ. Both were shepherds, and both were sheep. We're going to see that. Don't think about that. But David, in 1 Samuel, I'm just going to read some of these for, for you. don't have to turn to them. I'll just read them. You write them down. We can turn to them later. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37 says, And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistines to fight with him. This was Goliath. For you are but a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. <clears throat> and David said to Saul, Your servant kept his sheep, father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. <clears throat> and I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb out of his mouth. And when it rose up again against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. And your servant killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defiled the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord, who has delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to him, David, go. And may the Lord be with you. I'm sure he was very convincing. Very, very convincing. He also says in Ezekiel 34, talking about shepherds, the shepherds of Israel. He says in 22, Therefore I will save my flock, and they shall no more be a prey. And I will judge between the lamb and the lamb. He talks about later the lamb and the goats. But the shepherds were not doing their job. And the sheep were they were at the the, the mercy of uh, the predators, if you will. Verse 23 says, "And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them. My servant David, he shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. My servant David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken it." Okay, now Christ was also called the shepherd. Uh, in 1 John, or John 1, uh, when John the Baptist, right there in the beginning, when John the Baptist saw Christ coming, in John 1, 29, he says, on the next day, John sees Jesus coming to him, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And he says that again in 36. So he's called the Lamb of God, a young 
sheep, a tender sheep. Later he says he's tender and lowly. And 1 Peter 1, 16 through 19 says, For it is written, You be holy, because I am holy. And if you call upon the Father, who judges according to each man's work, without respect of persons, pass the time of your life's journey in the fear of God. And, and think about that, because the Psalm, Psalm 23 is not a static psalm. It's not about sheep in a field that never go anywhere. The sheep on a pasture, and that's it. It's an active, daily movement. It's a journey. It talks about the journey of the sheep through the season, through the mountains, to the valleys, to the crevices, from, from all the way from Jericho on the east side, all the way to Jerusalem, up through the mountains, to the valley of the shadow of death, which was a real valley. We'll talk about that the next time, hopefully. And uh, so it was, it, you think about it in a different term. It's a movement, okay? And he's talking about the journey of your life in the fear of God, 18. It says, knowing that you were not redeemed by corruptible things, by silver and gold, from your futile way of living, inherited by the tradition of your forefathers. But here's what you were, in, were redeemed by. This is why it's so important. What redeems us? What gives us salvation, what brings us to God, is the shepherd. By the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. Through that life's journey, the redeeming value, the thing that restores our soul, is Jesus Christ in that blood. And the process that we go through to come out the other end and be redeemed be restored very important that one little phrase in in the in verse three <laughs> i got started on it and, and it just just blew into this uh an amazing amazing uh, uh piece of of scripture so we are the sheep as well there's david the shepherd christ the chief shepherd and the good shepherd and we are the sheep and christ was a lamb and david was a sheep Psalm 103, David writes, or Psalm 100, verse 3. And this is a psalm of thanksgiving, of gratitude and praise. David was full of that. Number one, verse one says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. He has made us and we are his, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into the gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Give thanks unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, and he is steadfast, his steadfast love is everlasting, and his faithfulness endures to all generations. That's the good shepherd that leads us, and that guides us, and that we belong to. And God the Father is the owner of the sheep, and Christ is the shepherd. David was inspired by Christ to write the Psalm 23. He was, he was inspired to write many, many of the Psalms, most of the Psalms. And, and just a little sidebar here, Psalm 23 is set between 22 and 24, obviously. <laughs> 22, and it's just not by accident. 
the Psalms are amazing. They're five books. They're they're five sections. They 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 mirror the first five books of the Bible. They have the megaloth, the peace books in it, and, and some other things it refers to. But Psalm 22, the shepherd wrote that, inspired that. It was prophetic of his death. He said those words in Psalm 22, the lamb being slain. 23 is a, a psalm of present, the present day, our life, our journey, our relationship with the shepherd. And then 24 pictures entering into the house of God, into the future. You see how it's sandwiched between past, present, and future. That's just a sidebar. When we get into that, and then maybe we can do another sermon on that. But uh, it, it really is interesting. It's how, how God inspired that. And the whole all the Psalms is, are like that. The entire book of God's Word is that way. It's very insightful, educational, encouraging, and inspiring in both good times and in bad times. We have good times in our life, don't we? <clears throat> and we have bad times in our life. You know, it, it, it's no rose garden. It's promised that we'll have difficult times, whether they're of our own making or of uh, just life itself. Life happens. We face them from time to time. And looking at Psalm 23 gives us encouragement and restores our soul. It's a source of healing of the mind, the thoughts, the mind, the heart, the spirit, and the soul. We find ourselves in distress at times and trouble, uh, whether, again, whether we do it or if it's just, just, just happens. And Psalm 23 can, can give us that hope and reassurance at, through, as we go through those. And as we come out, know that we're always, there's always an end. There's always, it's a, it's a direction. It's not stagnant. <laughs> we go out in and out of these. Uh, and I can attest to that. You go in to sorrow and grief, or you go into difficulties and trials, and this too will pass. If you stay close to God, he will restore your soul. John 10, I, I wanted to go all the way through John 10 because it mirrors Psalm 23 in so many ways. He says, this is Christ talking. He says in 1027, I'm going to jump around a little bit. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Okay, think about this now. Here's the relationship that the good shepherd has with you. It's personal. It's individual. This is your song. This is your good shepherd. He hears your voice. And I know them. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, he says, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. He doesn't want any to perish forever. And no one shall take them out of my hand. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? The Hebrews. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one has the power to seize them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And later on in John 17, he says, I and the Father are one, and we and you are one with us. And that we'll come and live with you, and you will be one. What a relationship we have with that good shepherd. 
Hebrews 13, 5, it says, don't allow the love of money to influence your behavior. Don't let these things in the world, idolatry and things in the world, the cares of the world, but be satisfied with what you have. <clears throat> For he has said, in no way will I ever leave you. The good shepherd is not going to leave the sheep. I will never forsake you in any way. He's going to fight for you. He's going to protect you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to make sure you have all the things that you need. And that's how a shepherd is. That's how God is. So then let us boldly say, knowing this, we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Fear isn't a good thing. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Nothing. When you're in the hand, he says he, 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 he engraves you on his hand. <laughs> he reaches down his right hand and cares for you. And so many, look up this, the, the words with his hand or hand. And look at all the things that God does. You know, knowing this information is revitalizing. It's revigorating. And it's encouraging to us. It restores us from depression and from down, the times where we get down. I guarantee you, if you take Psalm 23 and read it several times a day for several weeks, you can't be depressed. You read the Psalms, but also read Psalm 23. And think about it. Meditate on it. Take your time and read it. Psalm 23 also shows us the Good Shepherd's heart, his love for us individually, his care and protection, his desire for our welfare and for our prosperity, for us to have an abundant life and for us to be happy and not, not sad, not down. <clears throat> There's another thing we can look at in Psalm 23. I wanted to go over this before we get into actual He Restores My Soul, although they all fit with this. Again, it's not a static psalm. This hit me that it's not just, you know, when I read it before, I used to think of, I had this mental picture of sheep in a, in a pasture and they don't go anywhere. That's not true. They do. They move about. They move through the mountains, through the crevices, through the valleys, through the narrow paths from pasture to pasture. If sheep stay too long in one place, they eat all the grass. <laughs> so the shepherd has to move them around. And they move from season, they move from the spring to the winter season, and they, they go back home. They move around, and there's quite a distance that they go. And we'll cover some of those things that are really interesting about that. And we'll do that in another, another session, another sermon. Okay, again, it, it reflects our life's journey with the Good Shepherd leading and guiding us through every aspect of our lives to the ultimate end. To dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Last time we went through, we got through two verses. And this time we're going to talk about, we are talking about, He restores my soul. So let's read Psalm 23 again. This time I want to do it all the way through, but I want to point out a couple things too before we do that. He restores my soul is personal. There are 17 I counted them today. There's 17 pronouns in 118, 118 words <clears throat> that compose Psalm 23. 
the I, my, and me. When we read it, think about these. And it, 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 it applies to you personally. This is for you, it's as, as if you wrote it. It's an individual song for each one of us. We're personal sheep, we belong to Christ. He looks at us and he knows each one of us by name. He knows us by how we are, our personality, our character. He knows each one, he knows our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. Okay, Psalm 23. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me into the paths of righteous, <clears throat> righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4, yea, in other words, yes, even though here, yes, though I walk, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a, play, a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Notice that personal relationship with the shepherd. Okay, Isaiah 41, 10. Um, we talk about this. Several of us really like this verse, and we, we talk about it. It says, do not fear. After reading that, how, how, can, you, how can you fear? For I am with you, be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yea, I will help you. For the Lord your God will hold your right hand. Have a picture of that, mental picture of that. He's holding your right hand, saying to you, do not fear, I will help you. Again, in Psalm 78, David wrote a lot of these. He had plenty of reason to do that in his life. Psalm 78, 52. But he made his own people go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He did that with Israel, and he does that with us today. John 10, now, we're going to get into some of John 10. I didn't want to read the whole thing for time, but I want to point out some of the things he says about the shepherd and the sheep. 10 verse 3, to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. In verse 4, when he brings the sheep out, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. He doesn't push them, but they follow him because they know his voice. Not only that, they know him, and they have confidence in him, and they follow him willingly. <clears throat> Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and shall find pasture. You're going to find the good grass. You're going to find the pasture, the food, the food being the truth. 
and you'll love it and you'll have a love of that because the good shepherd leads you there verse 11 i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep he will stand between predators the wolf the bear just like david said the lion and he killed them he protected the sheep verse 17 on account of this the father loves me because i lay down my life that i may receive it back he said later he said in matthew uh, he said i am uh, the resurrection to life he told martha and mary there he said do you believe this right before he raised lazarus <clears throat> really caused a stir but he said i am the resurrection to life lay down his life that he may receive it back no one takes it from me i lay it down of myself i have the authority to lay it down and the authority to get it back to receive it back this commandment i received from my father verse 15 again he says just as the father knows me and i know the sheep the, uh, i am known of the father i laid down my life for the sheep verse 16 and I have other sheep. Now, this is interesting because sometimes we, as humans, we think that we're the only ones, you know. <laughs> we have a, somehow an exclusive on this. That's not true. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. What a loving good shepherd. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And think about that the next time you hear that. Hear that some folks boasting about them being the only ones. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. And I know those who are mine. And am known of those who are mine. This is our loving shepherd, right? This is the good shepherd. And we are his sheep. We are personally his sheep. <laughs> Individually. Again, in, in Ezekiel 34, you know, when he was talking about the, the shepherds, the bad shepherds of Israel. Verse 5, he says, and they were scattered for lack of a shepherd. And they became food to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. There was no shepherd to stand in between and give his life for them. They were all hirelings, our false shepherds. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none searched or sought for them. Verse 11, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. That's what a good shepherd does. He seeks the sheep out. He brings them into the fold. He cares for them. He takes care of them. I will restore them. I will restore my, their, you know, they will have their souls restored, <laughs> revitalized, rejuvenated, life breathed back into them. Verse 12, as a shepherd seeks out his flock in the day that it, he is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep and deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Notice that. 
in the cloudy and dark day, in the times of depression, in the times, the dark times in our life. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel and the rivers and in all the places of the land where people live. I will feed them in good pasture, not bad, not bad grass, good grass, not thistles and thorns and weeds, but the truth, good grass, and will be satiated in full. And in a fat pasture, they shall feed upon the mountains of Israel. He also says later on in Revelation 17, you know, not only is there grass there, but the water. We have access to clear, crystal, living water, he told the woman at the well. He says in Revelation 7, verse 16, they shall not hunger anymore, nor shall they thirst anymore. Neither shall the sun or the heat fall upon them. And in another place, he says he's the shade. Psalm 1, uh, I think it's 121 somewhere. He's their shade. The heat's not going to fall on them. He's going to make sure they have shade. Because the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and will lead them to fountains of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. He will restore them, spiritually restored, but physically as well. No more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, and no more death. <clears throat> 15, I will feed my flock and will cause them to lie down. Remember, we talked about lying down by still waters and, 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 and digesting and eating the grass and resting. He'll give them a rest. Hebrews 4, 9, he'll give them a rest. I will seek that which was lost and bring again those who were driven away and will bind up the broken and will strengthen the sick. Think about Isaiah 61. That's what's going to happen. That's what's happening now with the Good Shepherd today with you and me. This brings us to he restores my soul. Okay. <laughs> Uh, in the heat of the day, let's go back. In the heat of the day, the sheep are feeding in green pastures. They, they, then they go to shade. They get up very early in the morning before the sun. The shepherd leads them out to eat. And they get that grass, but they don't drink. They sit down. He forces them to lie down. And they, they, they chew the cud and they digest the food. They're traveling to and from the areas where the shepherd leads them. And they get very tired and weary and wore out. From time to time, sheep will roll over once the shepherd has them lie down. They'll get in a depression or in a, a soft spot somewhere. And they'll roll over and, it, uh, uh, and they'll, they'll get in a, a, a situation called casting. But we'll talk about, about that in a minute. But as they travel from time to time and they come and they lie down, eventually every one of the sheep individually will come over to the shepherd and look for reassurance and the shepherd will rub their ear and, and pat them and, and rub their nose and whisper to them and make sure they feel comfortable and they feel assured, reassured. And he'll do that with each and every one of them. And he makes sure if they have cuts and sores and scratches and, and bruises that he cleans them up and makes them better, makes them feel better. He reassures them that everything is okay. 
And they need to know that. And we need to know that. We have times when we need to know that. Now, sometimes they get in this cast down, it's called casting or cast down state. The way that happens, they have a full coat of wool and they'll lay in uneven ground and they'll eventually get on their backs. Maybe they get sideways and they get rolled over on their back and they can't get up. They literally are upside down with their feet up in the air and, and gas builds in their stomach, blood flow drains from the extremities and they're unable to uh, fend off or run from attack. They're vulnerable and they're unable to eat or drink. A cast sheep can perish in a matter of hours if the shepherd does not get to him soon. The same with us. We get wore out, we get weary, we get despondent and depressed, and it's difficult sometimes to go on. Life's difficulties, and maybe accidents, or loss of job, or money problems, or sickness, that get us in a situation where we are cast down. You know, that can happen in a couple ways. It can happen in life. Sorrows and grief and things like that, hurts, those are clean cuts, and they can heal more quickly. But when it happens, when we do it, when we sin or we do something wrong, and we need to repent of it, unrepentant sins don't heal so quickly. We have a process we have to go through. We have to come to ourselves. We have to admit. We have to repent. We have to ask. We have to go to God with a, a repentant uh, attitude and seek God and ask for his forgiveness and the blood of Christ, the shepherd. And if it's sincere and we go to him in a repentant attitude, he forgives us. We're made right and justified once again. And we, we are looked at in God's eyes as white as wool, as Jesus Christ is perfect and right. We are impu that is imputed to us for a short time until we sin again. <laughs> but that's the way that works. Then there are sins that we fall in by our own doing and missing of the mark. We have to go to the shepherd and tell him that we need to, need to be healed of these problems. We need his help. We cry out to him. They cause us to get cast down. We fall in the ditches of life. We need strength from the shepherd to get out. And he has a staff. He has a rod. And he uses those. And they give us confidence and they help us to be content and know that the shepherd is always there. He's always going to take care of us. If not, if we don't, we can perish. Sheep like to wander. They get distracted. They can't see very well 15 yards out in front of them. And they get a couple of them get off and then they get off the path and then pretty soon they're gone and they're lost. They can't, they have no direction. They can't get back on their feet, get back with the shepherd, and the shepherd has to go get them and bring them back and put them back on found, a good foundation, back with the flock, and revitalize them and re restore their soul. Knowing, you know, knowing what kind of good shepherd we have, isn't that doesn't that make us desire to want to be with him more and to love him more, and and want to be in the fold and not to want to be somewhere else. <laughs> It's, a, it's amazing to me that, that uh, 
that that actually happens, you know, and then people lose sight. They wander and they get stray, stray off. You know, David felt that way. In Psalm 42, 5, he wrote, I like this psalm. As the heart or the deer pants after the water brooks, so my soul pants after you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He asked. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day, where is your God? That's others. I remember these things. I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go along with the multitude. You know, in the world, we go along with it. I led them to the house of God with voice of joy and praise and multitude, keeping the feast. Then he says, why are you cast down? Remember the cast down? the casting down. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And moan within me. So he had periods where that happened. Hope is in God, for I shall yet praise him for the salvation of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, of the Hermons and Mount Mizar, Deep calls in the deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, even a prayer to the God of my life. See how he's restoring his soul? I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do you go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a crushing in my bones, the enemies taunt me while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why do you moan within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the salvation of my countenance and my God. So he was going through a difficult time, but he knew where to look. He knew what to do. And, you know, Paul tells us this, too, in the New Testament. He encourages us to lay aside every weight that causes us trouble and guilt in, in Hebrews 12.1. Right after the faith chapter, talking about all those faithful patriarchs, the first thing he says in the next chapter is, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great throne of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entraps us. And let us run the race set before us with endurance. <clears throat> Get rid of that. Get rid of the sin. Lay it aside. Get rid of the difficulties. Having our minds, our thoughts, and our minds fixed on Jesus, the beginner and the finisher of our faith, the shepherd, who for the joy that lay ahead of him endured the cross. He was the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation. He, because of the joy that was ahead of him, endured the cross, although he despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God, of the throne of God. <clears throat> and then he says, you know, use your mind, your thoughts. He says, now, meditate deeply on him. That's why Psalm 23 is a good one to have and go over daily. On him who endured such great hostility of sinners against himself, 
so that you do not become weary. That's why. So you do not become weary and faint in your minds. Focus on him. Be restored. Get off of that and you run into trouble. It is the good shepherd who will restore our souls at times like this. And 2 Corinthians 7, 6, it says, But God, who encourages those who are heavy-hearted, encouraged us by the coming of Titus. So he, he, you see, he encourages those who are heavy-hearted, who are downtrodden. The King James says, Nevertheless, God, that comforted those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. We all get that way. From time to time we don't have to stay that way focus back on the shepherd when we get upside down in life and unable to right ourselves you know the Hebrew word restore means vitality vigor and strength that's what he gives us that's that breath of life back into us when we are in despair we get that spirit back we get that energy back and we get it from Christ and through our good shepherd, the things that he does and takes care of us. Now, in 1 John 1, 6, it says, 6 and 7, If we proclaim that we have fellowship with him, which we do, we say that, but we're walking in darkness, we are lying to ourselves, <laughs> and we are not practicing the truth. You deceive yourself. The worst form of deception is self-deception. However, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, his own son and our shepherd, cleanses us, washes us from sin through repentance, forgiveness, repentance, forgiveness, justification. If we say that we do not have sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, this is another thing, to admit and come to own the sin. To do that, if we confess our own sins, we have to, to you don't have to go around confessing it to people, but acknowledge the fact that you have it and own it, that it's yours, that this is something that you do, that you need to get out of. If we confess our own sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now that's interesting. His word is not in us. Proverbs 28:13 says, he who covers his sin in other words, if you just you don't, don't want to admit it or you just deceive yourself, he who covers his sin this shall not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Again, as sheep, we can get, get off, off the trail. We can get away from the shepherd. We can wander and get away or get sidetracked by the cares of this life and the world. If we aren't careful and stay close to the shepherd and the rest of the sheep, all sin burdens us down. And we need our souls restored. Even in times of difficulty, which life is full of, we need the, our soul restored. We need the good shepherd. 
we need the burden of guilt removed so we can be healed. Again, sorrow is clean. You know, when you do wrong, it causes cleansing to have to happen and before we can heal. And also forgiving others is another part of that. That's another sermon. David as a shepherd understood this. Okay. He said in Psalm uh, 51, the one after Bathsheba, one of the major problems that he had, Nathan came to him and told him, he said, have mercy on me, God. I'm going to read the whole thing because it's 12 verses. It's very important. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgression. So he recognized it, admitted it, and went to God. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. It weighed him down. Against you and you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight, that you might be justified when you speak and be in right when you judge me, when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts you shall make me know wisdom. Here, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Restore my soul. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create, this comes from God, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's another synonym of restore, renew, revitalize, a, a steadfast spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to me, restore to me the joy of your salvation, and let your free spirit uphold me. The sacrifices of verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. Didn't want sacrifices, he wanted the heart. And that's what has to happen to be restored. We have a part in that too. We need to be re reassured also that all is well. We need to be re rejuvenated, revitalized, and restored in the heart, mind, and soul. So how do we do that once we've done, we've done something wrong? How do we, first of all, hopefully we avoid the pit, pitfalls and we find ourselves in them. What do we do about it when we do? Well, we look to God, our shepherd, for restoration. You know, remember Acts 2, 31, uh, 37 and 8. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent. Be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you yourself shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you have three things there. And then that begins the process of, you know, once you have God's Holy Spirit, he grants that to you. You begin, uh, it shows you <laughs> where the sin is and convicts you to change, to overcome it, to change. And you can do that through the Holy Spirit, through the gifts of the Spirit of self-control and some other things. 
1 John 3, says, Behold. Okay, so when we do that, we have a whole different marching order. We have a whole different perspective. We are the sons of God, the begotten sons of God. And we have a purpose and a future. We have a journey and a path. And the Good Shepherd's going to take us on that. And we have an inheritance then. And we, we have the opportunity to be part of a family of God eternally and forever, to live in the house of God forever, which is the last phrase in, this, in Psalm 23. That's our focus. That's our life and our journey. He says, Behold, what glorious love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. For this very reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is manifested, we shall be like him, because we shall see him exactly as he is. We'll see the good shepherd. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. It says, be, be you therefore holy, because <laughs> I am holy. If you have this hope, you're going to want to do what is right. You're going to want, want to not practice sin. You're going to want to stay on the, on the path to lead to righteousness. And you know that, when he, that he appeared in order that he might take away sin, and then in him is no sin. Everyone who dwells in him does not practice sin. Anyone who practices sin has not seen him, nor has known him. He says, little children, do not allow anyone to deceive you. Be, put your guard up. Shut the door of your mind. Don't let false doctrine come in and take you out. Don't let it get you sidetracked. Stay close and stay on, focused with the, the, the true shepherd, the good shepherd. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God appeared, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Everyone who has been begotten by God does not practice sin, because his seed of begettle is dwelling in him. He has God's Holy Spirit. He's a Son of God. He does his for God's namesake, to glorify God, which is another phrase in the psalm, for his namesake. And he is not able to practice sin because he is not that he has been begotten by God. By this standard are manifested the children of God and the children of the devil. Everyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, and neither is the one who does not love his brother. And we go to Matthew 22, 36, 7, and 8. Look to Christ's sacrifice and blood to through the blood of Christ comes forgiveness, again, through the shepherd, the good shepherd. Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the remission of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And the study on grace is, is amazing, what God, God's grace is to us through his love. Receiving and using the Holy Spirit. It says, the final tool that God the good shepherd gives us to overcome because we can't do it by ourselves. We can do some, but we can't do it by ourselves. To overcome sin that causes us to be cast down is the receiving of and using the Holy Spirit, not grieving it, 
but stirring it up. As we saw in Acts 2.38, you receive it upon baptism. He promises the Holy Spirit to be given to us um, in John 14.26 and 27. Uh, it, if he doesn't leave, the Comforter won't come. And then along with that comes peace, his peace, not ours, not the way the world is, but that true peace comes through the Holy Spirit because we then can, we overcome sin. And we're in a state of abundance and, and good pastures and green grass and, and plenty of good, clean water. Ezekiel 36, 25 says, And I will sprinkle clean waters upon you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols, and I will give you a new heart. This is wonderful. I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of the flesh. And I will give you a heart. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. The path of righteousness. And you shall keep my ordinances and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people and I will be your God. I'll be your shepherd, you'll be my sheep. John 16, 13, it says, however, when that one comes, even the spirit of truth, it shall lead you, that is going to lead you into all truth, because it shall not speak of itself, but whatever it shall hear, it shall speak, and it shall disclose to you the things to come. Again, our inheritance in the kingdom of God. The sons of God, the sheep, in Romans 8, 14, are led, not pushed, but led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And these are the sons of God. You've not received a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received a spirit of sonship, whereby we call out Abba, Daddy, Father. 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what glorious love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And we went through that. Okay. In 1 Peter 5, he, he says, verse 5, 10, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. That's our calling. That's the Psalm 24. That's the future. That's our direct. That's the end of our journey. That's the end of the season, the sheep season. <laughs> Back home. The God of all grace has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you have suffered a little while, makes it sound easy, doesn't he? After you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. He's going to restore your soul. He's going to restore your heart mind. He's going to give you a new. He's going to pump life back into you when we're down. Matthew 11, 28, Christ tells us, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are overly burdened, and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek. And that's what we're doing here. We're learning of the shepherd. That he is, he says, I'm meek and lowly in heart. Isn't that wonderful? We should pray that we are all that way. 
that that is something that we have. And you shall find rest for your soul, rejuvenation and a restored soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Knowing that we belong to God and to the good shepherd and that we are in his hands continually and no one can take us out should give us a confidence and a joy and a peace and be the beginning of our souls being restored on a daily basis, continually. David realized that the good shepherd was the only one who could restore his soul and the joy of his salvation. If And, and when we need our souls restored, we too can look at, toward the good shepherd. We can think of Psalm 23 and it will focus us on the good shepherd. And last, David writes, I'll leave with this, Psalm 71, 20 through 21. And, and the next time we'll go through another phrase, and it may take me a while to get through Psalm 23, but it's amazing. If you really meditate and think on it, what God has for us, what he does for us as his good shepherd. Psalm 71, 20 and 21, it says, Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. So let's be comforted with these words. He restores my soul.